This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is Tyrese Campbell and you're listening to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to your latest episode of Every Step Along The Way. So... We've got two people joining me tonight. We've got the ever-reliable, always here, Michael Stockley. How are you, Mike? Good evening, mate. Yeah, really good, thanks. How are you? I'm good, I'm good, thank you. Nice to hear you well. And also joining us is a familiar voice to this podcast, Mr Ben Rowley. How are you, mate? Um, don't know. All right, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's been decent, really. I, I, I think I'm more upset than I would usually be because... Um, uh, my colleagues are all Birmingham fans, so yeah, oh. it's 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 been a bit of a rough week. But then we've been playing much better, and and actually, I, I thought we played quite well on Saturday. So uh, I'll take it on the chin. Yeah, so we'll get straight into Birmingham then. So yeah, for, I'm with you. For me, uh, sort of started at the end and working our way backwards, if you like, uh, walking out of the ground at the end. Just listening to you, you can hear other people's conversations, can't you? You can hear you know, comments and that from others. And everything seemed to be positive. I mean, we've lost 2-1. I think it's fair to say that a, a, a large chunk of the crowd had stayed to the final whistle and applauded the players at the end, even though they lost, obviously applauding the efforts and, and everything they'd been put in with that. And to me... I felt that people were still with them right to the end. There was no, it's possibly frustration with the fact that we've conceded the two goals, but there was an acceptance that the players had carried on going. They'd given the rule and and they'd given the best they could. Yeah, I, I think so. I I think to a point, it, we we lost in a very different way, didn't we? Um, not not in the sense that we give up the only two chances that you know they had, you know they scored from them, but in a sense that we we had twenty two shots in the game, um, we we dominated pretty much most of the play. There was only a couple of times on the break that they managed to to catch us out, um, and yeah, despite the 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 lack of a cutting edge. I actually found it quite fun 
to watch. I think the last few games under Alex Neal, to be honest, pretty much the entire time we've been in the championship, I think we've been so unhappy because we've been bored stiff. Um, you know, not being able to lay a glove on anyone, being being too conservative and still conceding goals. Um, and, I, and I think that this is just going to be life under Schumacher, unfortunately, because we are a team that's going to attack a bit more. We are probably going to get caught on the break. That Stansfield goal was, was you know, prime example. We are going to concede goals like that now on the regular. But you could argue we did that before and had no attack and reply. Um, I think the crowd's happy because we're seeing uh, uh, answers to the problems that we've had for the last few years. You just wonder whether... You know, sometimes it can be the other way around. You you wonder whether teams are too open and they bring in a defensive coach and, and they're much happier because they're a bit more solid at the back. I think we're seeing the opposite end of that scale at the moment, I think. I see what you're saying, mate, because I think the... I suppose what you're trying to say here is if you're going to lose, that's probably one of the ways to lose. It's a nicer way of losing. Because you're right. <clears throat> you're right. I think under Alex, it would have been you lose with a whimper. Um, and you know, we don't get me wrong, we had some decent games under Alex Neal, but we all saw where it was going at the end. And I, I agree with you. I mean, what 22 shots, 71% possession? I mean, it's not bad. <laughs> Again, if you take their goals, I mean, we'll, we'll Dan will probably run through in a sec, but you know, that, that first goal, they get that from poor defending. The second goal, it's like Baker's, you ain't doing anything about that. So you take them out of the equation, which, you know, again, fair enough, they've scored them, but take them out of the equation, you don't lose that game because I think beyond that, they didn't really show an awful lot more uh, from, from the bits that I saw. So, um, yeah, I think we dominated all the stats other than, unfortunately, the ones that actually mattered, I guess, in the end. But it's there's certainly worse ways to, to lose a game, and I know that's not much comfort when people want to win every single time. Um, they I think they're a bit more of a resolute Birmingham than the one we saw a matter of weeks ago um, under the person who shall not be named on this podcast ever again. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, 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 again, there there are there are worse ways to lose a football match. Let's put it that way. His name will be mentioned later on, by the way, but not not in this context. In just the, call it, uh, just call him Shrek, Dan. We'll a later yeah. section. Uh, stop being so mean. <laughs> um, Right, and it, yeah, so like I said, that first goal, let's talk about that. We've touched on it, both of you have mentioned it. For me, McNally has got to be a lot stronger there. I think he comes across, he sees the danger, he comes across to deal with it, and then just sort of stops. And he does, you know, he does get a little bit of luck, um, Stansfield, and you know, obviously a bit of a ricochet, and he could have gone anywhere as it as it happens, it sits perfectly for him to, to. It's a fantastic finish for me, straight into the roof of the net. Um, but yeah, I I feel McNally really there. A large portion of that goal has to go to him. He has to. You just take man, take ball, take whatever you need. Don't you put the ball in Rosette if you have to in that situation? Yeah, but with without a doubt, like you say, he's been. He's been mediocre this season. He's not done anything great. He's not done anything really bad. I'd say that's one of the the few, you know, well, yeah, the few mistakes he's actually made. I think for for the vast majority of the season, uh, he's been a bit of a steady Eddie without really doing anything too impressive, I, I guess. But yeah, you're right. He's he's got to he's got to be stronger. He's got to put his laces through it, take the man to a certain level, and maybe. Um, I just think yeah, he's got to be stronger. I saw some people blaming Iverson. 
um, which was silly. I mean, he's come out to try and deal with it because his defence hasn't been able to. Like you said to me, kind of off air, Dan, what do you expect him to do? Do you expect him to you know, stand on his line uh, and just let him run on and then put it past him that way? You know, he's had to make a call there from some really shoddy defending. Like you can't hold the goalkeeper at fault. It's it's all it, it you know McNally's feet at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, what what are your thoughts on it, Ben? Um, yeah, McNally could have been a bit more um, intentful with what he was doing. I thought Rose drifting out to the left hand side was a bit odd as well. Um, but then you've got to also praise someone who's been very good for Birmingham. Um, you know, it was a it was a good touch around the corner from Stansfield. It was a good ball into him by their Japanese guy, is it, or someone? Yoshi. That's it. Um, you know, he 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 causes problems in the game, um, as did the winger on the other side as well. Um, and and it was a great finish from Stansfield. And as is the case for the free kick as well, unfortunately, I think you've just got to hold your hands up and say. You know what they've done is there. You know it's a good goal on the counter attack for the first one, and then as 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 Mike said, you know it was a good free kick at the other end that we we had the benefit of the previous week. So yeah, you can nitpick the goals, but I think overall it's the attacking play that's the most frustrating. You know we are going to let goals in. Teams are going to find a way past us. It, it, it's it's more disappointing that, that we didn't take more chances than we did in the end. Are you yeah. worried, that, um, Ben, by the lack of goals in this team? I mean, we, we've we've talked about transfers and stuff, you know, a few times, but you know, beyond Ryan, um, who isn't a prolific goal scorer, and I don't think ever will be. I don't think that's necessarily just his game. Are you a little bit worried about the kind of strike force? I mean, Tyrese probably is going to be off soon so what does that really leave us with up front I mean Vidigal's you know firing blanks at the minute in time so you know that's a, another one down Haksabanovic is he ever going to be a prolific scorer no so I think if we want to people talk about going to the next level are you quite concerned that we're going to have to have not just one striker but maybe two or three coming in the summer um possibly not necessarily though because you know i think schumacher likes goals from the team you know he he likes goals from midfield he wanted uh burger baker and kundal to get forward and try and score goals and i think they did try juno as well um yeah vidigal after a very good august has let's be fair not kept up that sort of form um, and hasn't even looked like scoring for the most part. There's not many glaring chances he's 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 missed. He's he's just you know n- not in the right positions to score goals for me. Um, my seems to be playing almost like a like a false nine role almost, and I think that that could work if you've got two uh, inside forwards almost. Um, you know, two wingers who who love like an Arnautovic, I suppose, who loves to you know come in off that wing, and and be the striker almost from out wide, and you've got my sort of being the bait up front, luring the centre backs in, and and then tucking it around the corner. That'd be great if we had support around him, but we don't. Um, and then there's no one to support my while he's trying to get into the box. And the, the, 
I'm a bit disappointed by the finishing on Saturday from my. I thought he could have done a bit better with his chances. Always proved that he can be a very good finisher for the goals that he scored here. So I'm, I'm not necessarily questioning that. Um, I do think there might be a little bit of a future for my and Ty, I guess. Um, I think that they could be quite good together with my being able to hold the ball up and nick it in behind for Tyrese, who quite possibly could be used properly for the first time since he's been here. I think, you know, Tyrese has been massively underused for his talent since he's been here. Someone like Mai and Schumacher might might be able to get the best out of him, even if it is just for the last six months of his contract. Everyone enjoys a Mai time, don't they? Oh, dear. <laughs> Sorry. Mai Reese. Um, I I think you could be right there. I said, Ryan Mai is probably the closest thing we've had to Stephen Fletcher since Stephen Fletcher in not maybe in terms of his height and physicalness, although he is, you know, he, he, he's proven he is getting there with his holding ball up, stuff like that, but more sort of the flicks and bringing you know, other players into play. I think as a front man, like I say, Fletcher was very cute with how he played once. There was a lot of flair to Fletcher's game, which wasn't always what you expected from someone when you looked at him. And I think Ryan May's game is a lot about that, and it's a lot about bringing others in. Um, and I think that's why he's now benefiting a lot more from a lot more game time and a lot um, bring. Like I say, now he's got people running around him with Schumacher's system and people getting forward. It's allowing him not to be so isolated and playing to his strengths. He's not someone who's going to hold it there for ten seconds while you get up. He needs you up there with him. But if you are up there with him and making runs into runs around him and runs past him. The chances are with that first touch, it might be a little flick around the corner or a little one-time, you know, a first-time pass that actually puts you in. And I think if he's playing alongside somebody like Campbell, like I say, you might just see the a reigniting of the uh, Fletcher Campbell sort of situation. And the more I think about it, actually, you know, the game from Saturday, um, we we missed a lot of chances. Um, you know, Bay hit the bar. Tyrese possibly should have done better with his chance one-on-one, dinking it over the keeper. Mai, as I said, missed a couple of opportunities. Was it Berger who had sort of a volley in the box and the keeper had to make a good save? Mai definitely should have done better in the first half when he went through one-on-one. Um, but actually, I'm I'm less concerned now than I was because before we would not have many chances under Neil or Michael O'Neill or under the, our old regimes anyway, and we'd miss them. So missing one big chance was a massive deal for us, and we knew, all right, okay, that's the game gone now. Whereas under Schumacher, you could possibly say that you know we might get four or five good chances in a game and you'd hope on most days you'd take one um you know yes a little bit frustrating on this occasion that we didn't take one but that certainly won't be the case every week i think we might just have to chalk this one off as a as a bit of a missed opportunity and a bit of bad luck but i don't think there's any reason to say that we won't score goals i think we carved out the most good chances in that game week, didn't we? So I, I don't think that's a problem. And I think we've got good players at the club as well. It, it just wasn't our day in the end. What's the problem with our home form, though, boys? Because I mean, we're playing the same way at home as we are away from pretty much what I've seen. 
So why is this home form such a hard cookie to crack? Is it is it just a fluke? I mean, obviously Schumacher's only been in five minutes, so it's harsh to put everything at his door, but we just don't seem to be able to crack it very well at home still. Can I, can I give you a stat before you answer that, Ben? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so when was the last time, what was the last goal that we scored at home before Jordan Thompson's that wasn't a penalty or an own goal? Okay. Uh, well, when was the last win? Like October? Was that Leeds? Is it last goal or last win, Dan? Sorry. The, the last check. goal. The last goal that we scored at home that wasn't a penalty or an own goal. Um. <laughs> uh. I mean, oh. I'm trying to think what happened with the. I was going to say. I think trying to remember what happened for the. The Brighton goals, uh, but if it's not Brighton, it, it, it will be Swansea, I imagine. <laughs> well, were they? Was that a penalty in an own goal? As that well? was a Daniel Johnson penalty. Oh, Daniel Johnson it was. penalty, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh God, this is even worse than I thought. Uh, is it? Is it before Leeds? It's before Leeds. Goodness me! It was the twenty-first of October. Luke McNally's header from a Daniel Johnson corner against Sunderland. So when was the last one that wasn't the set piece? 833 minutes, that was, between between Luke McNally scoring and Jordan Thompson. Jesus Christ. Over <laughs> nine full games of football with only goals scored being own goals and penalties. Well, I think that goes to show, like, we never really attacked well under Neil, apart from that April or that March, mm. whatever it was, where we were at, you know, we were very good. But apart from that, we we were very blunt. Um, can't really blame um, Gallagher in the interim, can you? Because, you know, he was the interim coach trying to carry on what Alex Neal was doing. And then Schumacher's only just got his feet under the table and he's had, what, Ipswich, which was, you know, I think we were all quite pleased to get a nil-nil with. Um, who else we played at home? I can't remember. Um, so, if you go, if you looking at that run, so you've got obviously two one defeat to Birmingham, you've got the four two defeat to Brighton, penalty mm-hmm. and then goal, nil nil with Ipswich, which is good performance. Just again lacked the the finish. Nil nil draw with Millwall, new manager been in the job, what two days? One uh, one draw with Swansea, old manager just left, interim manager, big pick me up, um, penalty scored there. 1-0 loss to Sheffield Wednesday. Enough said about that. 3-0 loss at home to Blackburn. 0-0 draw with Cardiff. Uh, 1-0 win over Leeds. Great display, but again, relied on an own goal. Uh, 2-1 win over Sunderland. Obviously, that was McNally. And then Ryan Mai, incidentally, was the last non-set-piece goal, which was earlier on in that game. Before that, 1-0 defeat to Southampton. Uh, 3-1 defeat to Hull, when the goal was a late consolation by Vidigal. 2-0 defeat to Preston before that. And then you're back into August when you've got a 1-0 uh, victory over Watford, which was a Vidigal stunner, and then the two Rotherham games. Right, some people wonder why fans stay away. <laughs> <laughs> Wowzers. That is shocking. I really didn't realise it was that bad, Dan, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, so I think we were riding the crest of those Rotherham games for about five months going... It's still good. A bit like Homer and Bart chasing that flying pig in The Simpsons. It's still good. It's still good. 
<laughs> but like we say all this and you know the biggest difference for me against Birmingham where we haven't had it in the past was we looked like we were going to score I felt like the, a goal was coming and it did in the end with Thompson we possibly just needed another 10 minutes to grow another it's it's not a case where we've seen before where uh, Sheffield Wednesday was a good example we were never going to score you know apart from the missed penalty obviously which is a bit unfair but um you know, we've been sat and thinking, oh, well, we've gone 1-0 down. That's it. That's the end of the game now. We're at 2-0. I thought, you know, with the amount of chances we had, I thought we, once we scored one, there might have been a chance where we might have even, you know, drawn or, you know, done a Sheffield Wednesday from a couple of years ago and, and, and nicked a victory. I I, I think yeah. we were just genuinely unlucky. And, you know, Schumacher will get somebody in. The club will get somebody in. Whether they're the goal scorer themselves or whether they're able to create maybe higher quality chances. Uh, but I, it's, it's I'm not weird. that worried. Yeah, it's weird. With about, when I say about Ryan Mai there, he's never, been, never going to be a goal scorer. At Ferenc Kravos, so Hungarian league, you know, not massively high standard, but still, they're, they're a good side in that league. He averaged more than one in two for them. And I think he's, he's you know, he's played Champions League football for them. He scored four in, four in nine in the Champions League. He knows where the back of the net is. I think, what was his, he scored something like 35 in 71 in two seasons for them. So, he know, like I say, he does know you know, how, how, to, how to put the ball in there. And when he does, the goals he does score, you think, bloody hell, that's a good finish. <laughs> like, you know, the goal he scored against Watford, uh, the goal he scored in that Rotherham um, game, you know, back in August, the, um thinking, where else is he? He seems to only score goals, don't you, where you think, oh, that's a cracking finish. But then, when he, like Saturday, he had, he could have, he could have easily have walked with four goals in his pocket on Saturday, you know, the chances that he had. And he's probably one of them strikers where if the first one went in, he probably would have had a hat trick at least. Um so maybe like I say maybe we just he just needs to get a couple and it'll just kick start him. Because I think he, he looks like he's enjoying himself a lot more as well. Like they all seem to be. They all seem to be more positive. And I think if he can just like I say get a couple of goals, then I think he uh, he really will start to motor for me. Uh, because I think there's definitely ability, there's definitely finishing ability up there. Him and him and Campbell, the two, you know, are probably two good finishes. We just haven't seen enough of it from either of them in recent times, have we? But like you say, you know, if we can make it work with them together, then uh, yeah, for me, it definitely could be a a way to go for the remainder of this season. And who knows beyond that. Uh, one person I wanted to to point out, I mean, actually, yeah, well, we'll let's talk about the fullbacks and let's start with the negative. <laughs> uh, Hoover was absolutely rinsed by Dembele in that first 35, 40 minutes to the point where he feigned an injury, didn't he? He fell over, <laughs> tried to chase him back once and then decided to limp around for about 45 seconds where... I was like, he's going to try and come off here because he's getting that badly done. And then I think somebody like passed the ball out to the wide. He had to make a run, and he was that fine, amazingly cured by a switch crossfield ball, um, <laughs> cured his little injury. Um, but yeah, Ben, for me, Dembele. Now we we made the point on this podcast last week. Dembele, I think he was like the second most 
successful take-ons of any player in the league. Incidentally, the moment the most is coming up later on on Saturday. <laughs> um, but he took him on and he went past him time and time and time again with ease. But there was no end product. And I was standing there and I was getting as frustrated as anyone else with how easy he was doing this. But to me, on reflection, or we record this a few days later, I do think to myself, he is, he does not got the statistics that he has got with no reason. Because whereas, like I say, we just talk about Jack Clark later, whereas he's going past players for fun this season and there's a end product, Dembele's not got the, the stats other than the take-ons that reflect anything like Jack Clark. So he is obviously doing this on a weekly basis to a lot of fullbacks and not getting the product. So he's not the first. Basically, what I'm trying to do, in, in, in Hoover's defence, he's not the first. I think that's a long way, long-winded way of saying he's not the first fullback to be done by this by this guy and he won't be the last. Yeah, I think so. And, and we've seen in the past that Hoover's actually quite good on the recovery you know he he has got the pace to get back even though he you know he 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 might get turned inside out he he has got a good recovery on him um and that's the kind of defender Schumacher likes um it's just his passing for me that's so disappointing i mean it's that's certainly not the first time where he's just given the ball away unnecessarily um so my brother came to this game because of course it was a 10 pound ticket offer um he's a liverpool fan and hoover was at liverpool before he went to wolves um and and he was quite excited by hoover when he was there and got sold on for whatever reason um and he was just so surprised at how lackadaisical he was in possession when you know he would have never have made it through any you know prestigious youth system with that sort of ball play coming out the back at his age so i don't know what it is whether he's not but I, I i don't think he's not bothered whether he's just caught in two minds sometimes whether he's trying to play it safe and that's not his game i don't know but he's he, <laughs> he's he's not helping himself by doing what he's supposed to be good at and going forward i know that's been mentioned on this pod loads of times but you know you can have a little less attacking output, but but by, you know, giving the opposition the ball on multiple occasions, no matter what it leads to, whether it means us us getting the ball back straight away or or, or whatever, it it's just not good enough. You don't see it on the other side from Thompson, and he's playing out of position at left back, so it's that's not good enough. I can forgive him for being rinsed by Dembele, as you said, but I can't forgive him for the. You know the stupid five-yard passes straight to the opposition. That it, it's just not fair. It's not fair on the rest of the guys who are playing ever so well. Do you think like the manager's telling him to tell them all to relax, relax, play with you, um, play with no fear, and he's taking it to the extreme. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry, mate. You know my feelings on on this guy. Yeah, I he... loved him last year. He's not been relaxed. He's just not good enough in defence. He's not good enough going forward. The ability that he's shown he's got it, it's a question of unlocking it. Is, is there something there? There's obviously something there. I mean, what is he now, 21? Is he turned 22 now? So it's like, yeah, we've seen it. We saw it for a long spell last season and we've seen it at the start of this season, but gradually and gradually it's got, he has declined and there's not been a pick me up somewhere. So you wonder why. In other players, 
the change of manager has sparked something massive in them. You know, massive change in fortunes, change in performance, change in tempo, change in style. He doesn't seem to have had that effect on him as well. And you wonder why is it something else that's going on? Is there something personal going on with him that's I mean me personally, Dan, I think it's because he's had no no one nipping at his heels and he knows he could just walk on that pitch every single week because Junior wasn't being picked at all under Alex. Uh, we had no one else that could really play there. Tom Edwards was never going to challenge. He's just been able to do whatever he wants because he, he knew exactly what was going to happen and that was he was going to play every week. And exactly. that's down to Alex Neal. That's not his fault. That's down to Alex Neal's fault for not finding a, a backup player that was actually going to push him. Is is that is that true, though? Because I, did, I got, think so. we've got a junior Chamadou, you've got Lyndon Gooch. If you know, that That's a strong competition at right back you know, for him to think well you know there's players there more than capable of coming and taking my place if I'm not performing well that's what I mean though like he wasn't this one that's my point he wasn't choosing Junior Junior couldn't get anywhere near it he came on and covered in at left back and looked really good and then got dropped the next week and wasn't seen again so I was like oh, yeah fair enough and, and now the Junior that we know and what I think what we all kind of saw bits of when he got a chance yeah 100% he'd He'd knock Hoover out of his team in a heartbeat right now. Um, but Gooch, again, he, when he came in, he, he wasn't looking amazing. Like, he's looking much better under Schumacher, much better. Like, to the guys, it's almost like a transformation. So I, I just think that maybe, I don't know whether that was Gooch not performing well enough in training to earn his spot or or what, you know, Alex not choosing him, whatever it was. I, I just think he's, I think Hoover's just really let himself down. As you said, we saw some good bits from him last year. He was very capable. He scored those obviously three goals in a couple of games, whatever it was. You know, again, we saw the best of him. But this season, bar a couple of games at the beginning, we've seen the worst of him, and he's not picked up at all. And like you know, like you've said, he's gone downhill and downhill. I mean, again, we'll go into teams later. He is one hundred percent out of my team um, because there's so much better than him who's in the team. It's as simple as that for me. Anything else you want to add on uh, Kiana, Ben? I don't think he's perhaps as bad as we're making out. I, I like. I think there's a good player in there, and actually, I think for ninety percent of the game, he's been absolutely fine. You know, he's 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 defended quite well in moments. He he has got forward on the odd opportunity. Um, you know, he 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 wasn't scoring like he he was, and that that certainly would have helped. Um, you know, us, us think a bit more highly of him. I think it. What's what's bringing him down is is the obviously very poor moments in games recently, where he is giving the ball away unnecessarily, and that is unforgivable. Um, but on but if he cut that from out of his game, I know it's sort of a if your nan had wheels should be a bike moment. But but if he if he didn't <laughs> give the ball away quite so often just passing it around the back he'd he'd be fine he'd be a solid six or seven out of ten and yes he's got players behind him like Shamadu who who I think deserves a chance in the team when he's back from AFCON um what I necessarily play Gucci ahead of him not particularly I'd like don't be wrong I think Gucci is 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 decent player and 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 does certain things quite well but I don't think he's got the same quality that Hoover has in in you know, going forwards or or even in defence. Like I say, I think Hoover can defend. Um, 
but but perhaps just 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 not on the <laughs> not on the one on one where where he can get skin. But we have seen him, you know, make a couple last sticks, uh, last Sorry. ditch tackles. <laughs> last well, he's no wonder he's getting back. back. <laughs> oh dear, that, that's staying in. That's one bet. That's cute. I, I, I've never seen him do that. <laughs> that's his third leg tackle. That's what that is. He's going in three footed. Um, <laughs> Um, um, that's why it's yeah. a bit off balance, is it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I think as well. If you, if you remember, you know, there's, there's been quite a few stats knocking around the majority of the season. Uh, I think there was one point in September, October time where him and Stevens were like two of the best. Basically, of when when the um, players had tried to take them on, they were like the most successful defenders at, at sort of standing the ground and not getting beat. Um. And I think, like that, you know, I, I've said, you've just said, there's actually, you know, two other, two other three, obviously, I would say. <laughs> and there's a good player in there, and there's obviously ability. And the reason he keeps getting picked is he is a very talented footballer. But, it, like you say, he's got to cut out those mistakes because it's all right. As a defender, you, you can't have those moments, can you, on a semi-regular basis. It just doesn't doesn't end well for anybody. Um, I think so, it's yeah. just with you saying like he, he recovers well. And uh, if I'm honest with you, I don't think he does. And even if he does, it's because it's generally a mistake of his own making. He lets his man go at the back post, which Edwards got absolutely slaughtered for so much when he was in the team. And Hoover does exactly the same thing. He, I just, I'm sorry. I, I really, I'm really disappointed in, in, in the fact that I really had high hopes when he resigned. I was over the moon. Absolutely over the moon, and he's. I think more than anything, it's because I think I had really high expectations, and I think because he's for me, from what I've seen, he's really let me down. I'm angry about it because I actually really do like him and what I saw last year. He's just really let me down, which is why he's. I'm probably not very complimentary about him. Fair enough. We'll move on to the other fullback then, because that's a lot more positive. And um, yeah, Jordan Jordan Thompson for me was actually my man of the match on Saturday. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, he was he was solid at the back. Um, he was great going forward. He was comfortable on the ball. Uh, he was you know, starting attacks from the back. And I think out of all the back four, um, he was probably the best one, which is instantly funny as soon as he was the you know, the one who's midfielder out of the, out of the law. Uh, but yeah, I thought he was everywhere. I thought... You could see the inverted fullbacks. So him and so when we had the ball, Hoover and Thompson were in the centre midfield. They were sort of running infield and forward as extra centre midfielders, and he was then buzzing around everywhere. Which I suppose naturally it's his possession more, but he seems to thrive in that role. And if that's something the managers are going to continue with, and that is his, you know, is, is his style and what he wants to do, then. Jordan Thompson might be the best choice he has at left back. I think the thing for him, just uh, I'll let Ben have his say mainly. Um, but I think the thing with him, right, he's really impressed me. Like it's a complete contrast. I think pre this season, most Stoke fans would have been happy to see him go. Um, I'm pretty confident of that. But 
he's a little bit like, you know, in Morgan Fox's last season for us, where obviously Morgan's reputation was not great either. But that last season he had, it was really solid, like a quite a reliable player. Um, and Thompson's having that same thing for me. I think he's um, he's rolled his sleeves up. He's working his backside off. He can play in the mid. He can play at left back. And he is just doing a really solid job. He's doing his job. He's not trying to be a fancy Dan or whatever. He's going to let the players around him do that. He has just been a real surprise for me. And it's someone that I actually really didn't rate, but happy to say he's absolutely proved me wrong this season. Um, and I hope, he, I hope he carries on. I really do. I'll, I'll just say with, with Thompson, I think it's easy to forget under Michael O'Neill, he was a very solid player. I felt for me, he he never let Michael O'Neill down. thought he always, you know, he came in, might not have been the first name on the team sheet, might have been in and out, but when he came in, again, he wasn't like, you know, eight, nine out of ten, but I thought he was always steady. Didn't yeah. have many bad games. Under Alex Neal, I felt that his attributes and his the positive parts of his game were strangled a little by how Alex Neal wanted to play. Now he was sort of playing him as a as a deep line midfielder and he wanted him to be Ben Pearson and he's not Ben Pearson. He's not gonna go around kicking people, he's not gonna around um you know charging around covering ground that's not his strength. It's not saying he won't do it, but that's not the strength to his game. He, is in that position, wants to be getting it and spraying the ball around. He's got a really good left foot. He can, you know, he can switch play really well. You know, he, he can put people in behind, um, and that's that's the the strength to his. Like I say the strength to his game, and I think under Neil, he really did sort of strangle those what 15, 16 months. Really strangled his creativity and what with the, the positiveness of, of Jordan Thompson. And I think now, why he's look, looking like he's reborn in a transformation, it's because he's, he's got that licence to play again. He's got that licence to express himself like so many others. And you're looking at the better side of Jordan Thompson again. Yeah, I'd agree with that as well. I, he's he's certainly better offensively than he is defensively and and that's where he's 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 fell down under the previous manager i think um it, it's it's sort of strange because you wouldn't think he'd be a good left back because i don't see him as a very dynamic player you know if he had sort of time as a athleticism he, he'd be a very very good fullback um but he's not but he sort of sort of quietly makes his way up the pitch when he's at you know when when Schumacher switched it up and and he went to wing backs, um, you know he sort of quietly made his way up the pitch and, and you were surprised to see him there for the goal. I couldn't believe it was him at the far post. Um, but then as as Dan said in that sort of inverted full back role, Susan's down to the ground because he doesn't really have to move very far. Um, he's a midfielder without the pressure of being the only defensive midfielder, if that makes sense. You know, he he was very under the spotlight when he was trying to uh, fill in for Ben Pearson's role, for example. Um, he's not quite got that now because he's like the spare midfielder that is marked by someone like a Dembele who's who's not going to know what to do with him. Um, so he he's he's found a bit of freedom there. He by by not being pressurized and 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 having the time to play, and I think that you know currently that's that's where Hoover's sort of suffering because clearly his game isn't you know sitting in the middle of midfield and making passes. It's 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 bombing forward. Um, so maybe that's where he's suffering, and maybe that's where someone like Gooch would be a little bit better because he does seem to be better. In those tighter spaces, um, 
you know, being able to go around players. Hoover's definitely better with, you know, <laughs> again, sounds stupid. I could do well with loads of space in the middle of the pit, but, but you know, Hoover wants to be in a lot of space. Um, and he, and he's not being afforded that at the moment. So, um, but no, for Thompson, I, I imagine that the urgency on a left back has been reduced somewhat, particularly if they think that Stevens is back um, and he's keeping Stevens from out the team. Um, I imagine, yeah, we're 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 ploughing our budget into some sort of forward now for the rest of the window. Yeah, uh, very much so. Uh, I think we can definitely muddle on to the end of the season. Obviously, Jordan Thompson is out of contract in June, so he probably do want to have a good look at him. Um, to see whether you know he wants to sort of offer him some contract going forward. A uh, couple of things I would just say: we've got five big chances, big chances, <laughs> which was more than any other Championship club this weekend. Um, and yeah, I mean, I suppose if you're going to mention about Jordan Thompson ghosting into the back post to finish that chance, uh, I think maybe he was allowed to ghost him because everybody had been put off slightly by Medi Larice um being tripped up by a Casper. <laughs> <laughs> oh mate, that was embarrassing. It oh, really dear. was. And it was like, oh he's not cla- he's not claiming for it. If you actually look back at one of the angles, he puts his hands out to say, Come on, ref. And I'm like, mate, come ah. on now. Don't try and mug people off here. Like that was it was poor. <laughs> What was the reaction around you, Ben? Because I know that basically as that happened, as he touched the floor, there was just fits of laughter in the booth and end. <laughs> we were. Well, it's funny because I'm sort of on the halfway line and uh, don't really know what happened from that far away. You know, like whenever a penalty is given, it's, it's always just a bit of a surprise. Like you hear the referee's whistle and you're like, oh, OK. We, <laughs> I don't know, don't know how that came about. So it, it's always a nice surprise. Um but in the case of Lloris, you know, he is that sort of player that just runs straight into people and, you know, either he falls over or the person that, that he's dueling against falls over. So uh, I wasn't surprised to see one of them on the deck. And and then two minutes later, Berger has a uh, whatever the hell that was he was trying to do and found Thompson at the back post. So, yeah, I'm... A mad ten seconds, but the, ma- the man know. can't do any wrong, can he? Burger at the minute. Oh God, Schumacher, Alex Neal ought to be locked up for, you know, not unleashing what Walter Burger's got. It's just he, he's such a good footballer. He will not be with us for very long. Um, you know, if it's not in the summer, it'll be next summer. Um, he he he's just a fabulous footballer. Um, you know, built for the championship. Really, I'm not surprised he sort of plied his trade here before trying to move up to the Premier League because he he's, he's just excellent, isn't he? He's the he's the Burger King of burgers. He's not a 99p. You know, McDonald's burger is he? He is the, the premium burger. He, <laughs> well, we've been he, used he to is whoppers, the whopper, Dan. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> a good whopper. Yeah, one, one with an extra slice of bacon on. <laughs> well, like Hoover's whopper then. <laughs> no, he's from the ninety-nine Happy Meal range, mate. Oh, uh, okay, right. <laughs>
Um, yeah, he, he's 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 class, and um, the fact that he, you can tell he wants to be captain as well. Um, you know, uh, I know it's a bit of an old man thing to say, but the ball boys were very slow at getting the ball back to us, despite us losing. Um, and he was sort of, you know, getting them to give the ball back to him quicker, and you know, encouraging his teammates not to be too downhearted when um. Well, we went a goal down and then two goals down and then, you know, trying to play quickly. He he clearly wants to execute exactly what Schumacher is doing. No wonder he's been made captain. And, and I think the team's benefited from that massively. Yeah, I think I, I was asked in the week four um, in sort of a group chat we've got with a few other podcasts of, so I was putting a one to 11, but one name, you can only have one t- player from each team. So he was like, if you're going to name someone from your team, who would you name? And instantly I was like, there's only one player I could name, a Wouter Flipping Berg. <laughs> um, and it just happened to be done by Aaron from uh, Argyle Life, Plymouth, and he was like, I don't think I can put a Stoke player in, sorry, I think I'll get like, lynched. But yeah, he would be otherwise. <laughs> um, yeah, I think well, he's... He we can is... put a Plymouth player in because he'll, he'll sign for us next week. Well, I said, I said that's what I said. I said, sure, you should have one in because by the end of the transfer window, half the state plays will you'll know really well. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I actually, I, I can see. I mean, one of the things I was going to mention in the news was that Tottenham are apparently uh, were there at the weekend scouting, uh, and Berger was apparently the the one that they were watching. I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I think he's he's got a Tottenham he's a Tottenham player. Like not as saying he's going I'm not saying oh my he needs to be playing top six Premier League. I think he could potentially get there. I think he's the kind of player Spurs go for and that he's what, twenty two and he's got all the attributes to play how they like to play. So it wouldn't surprise me if they're at least looking at him, whether they go for him is a different matter, isn't it? Might be one that they just keep an eye on and see how he goes next season, see if he can replicate his his early form and becomes a January signing for him potentially. If that's if they still rate him by that point, but I think the good thing is that, you know, I mean, what what contract did he sign again? Was it four years? I remember now. Probably because I imagine we would have tried to spread out his transfer fee. It was quite big, wasn't it? So I'm thinking if it's that, then we've got all the power in that scenario, so we wouldn't be getting it on the cheap anyway. Plus, I'd be surprised if Tottenham tried to sign for the Championship again, considering that you know they had Jack Clark and that didn't work out. They had Jed Spence and that didn't work out. There must have been a couple of others. Um, He's got another three and a half years, by the way. Has he? Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, was it Joe Roden as well that they signed yeah. and then that never worked out? There's been plenty. I'm surprised that they're even trying the Championship again, to be honest. It doesn't work. For some reason, they just don't work out at Tottenham, do they? No. To think, to think that Berger is what is he twenty two as well? If he's yeah. this good at twenty two, oh, you know, if he again, we've all seen players who come and have you know one season wonders. I, I don't think he's going to be one of them personally, but if he carries on, he'll be in the Premier League before long anyway. You'd like to think with us, but realistically, if he carries on as he's going, it'll be too, it'll be sooner rather than later. I just hope we can turn round and and, and milk him for a good fee because you can guarantee that. There's probably a sell-on clause there um, as well, you would imagine. So we'd probably have to give some of that money back. So I just hope that if and when it happens, we, we get a good fee for him, that's all. 
please tell me that you guys have seen um the video on social media sort of today yes. and yesterday um about the Walter Burger song oh, what yeah. is it rhythm as a dancer yeah oh it's great Burger if you've not seen answer. that go and search <laughs> if you've not seen it go and search it it's fab oh Walter Burger <laughs> um he, he he's yeah, we can get our ring around the terraces, don't we? We need some individual songs for players. We haven't got too many these days. Um, so, yeah, we've been given one on a plate. Let's just run with it. <laughs> um, but, I mean, he, he's in some massive, you know, fantastic vein of form. Since, obviously, we do our Man of the Match polls. He, I'll, I'll go into that now, and he won this match again, 54% of the vote. It's his 10th Man of the Match now, the previous high in a whole season was Josh Timing two years ago, got eight. He's already on 10. Bear in mind, he's, we're only in January. He missed a few weeks of the season as well. And he was stifled by the ex-manager. But under um, Stephen Schumacher, Stephen Schumacher's been in charge for seven matches. Walter Berger's been man of the match five times and runner-up in the other two. So, that, that says... Um, yeah, just enough, like I say, what kind of form he's in. He's accumulated enough points since Alex Neal left to be third overall in the player of the season standings. <laughs> so, um, yeah, second place in, the, in that poll, by the way, is Jordan Thompson, uh, fully deserved. He got my vote, like I say, 20%. I think he only got my vote rather than Berger because I vote for Berger every other week. So I thought I'll do it for a change. <laughs> and uh, third was John Ho, 18%, who we haven't mentioned at all, but I thought he had another very good game. Um, I know, I think that, that I was personally, I was sort of sitting with, I hadn't seen him playing on the wing for a few, he missed a couple of games, I hadn't seen him on the wing recently. And you were saying before, and I don't like him out there, you know, it doesn't really affect the game. Then we said not long ago, he runs down rabbit holes and stuff and gets taken out, and I was like, You'll be amazed at the difference this player is now <laughs> when he's playing out wide. And you say at the end, you know, like that night, night and day, how quickly he's learned to play that position and doesn't do the things that he was doing wrong before so soon is fantastic. And um, he's another one, I think, who's destined for, for good things in the future if he carries on progressing how he is. Um, there were other votes for Hoover, which was interesting. <laughs> um, and there was also Kundal, Vidigal, uh, Gooch, Larice, and Wilmot. Uh, lovely to see Ben Wilmot. I thought when he came back on, just one last thing on, on Birmingham, I thought he uh, we looked really much more solid in defence. And also he looks a lot. He looked at home in that formation. You know how he was sort of carrying the ball forward, how he was taking charge in defence. That was the first time for a long time that we've had a central half there who, who was, like I say, taking charge of the situation. Um, so yeah, we benefited a lot from having Ben back. Uh, player of the season wise, uh, top five I'll give you Ben Pearson two oh nine, Larice two two four, McNally two three one, Gooch two six three, and then Valterberger is on four hundred and seventy five points. Uh, so shall we just stop the count? Stop it now for everyone's sake. <laughs> um, right, I think we'll now get into the news. So, news-wise, uh, there was no game last week for the under-18s. Uh, this week, they I've got Everton at home, 11am kickoff at Clayton Wood. Uh, both sides are in the bottom three in the league. Stoke have lost their last seven in a row. Uh, Everton have lost their last three league games in a row, so no form for either of them. 
Uh, the under-21s, no game for them last week either. This week, they are away at West Ham. Uh, 7pm kickoff Friday, 26th of January. It's at Rush Green, which is West Ham's training ground. Now, in stark contrast to the under-18s game, this sees two teams who are banging form. Stoke have won their last four in a row in the league, and West Ham have won their last five in a row in the league. So, yes, well, you know, that's going to be a cracking game. Uh, the women's so last week's uh, Staffordshire Senior Cup semi-final versus Sporting Council was postponed due to the bad weather and has been rearranged for Sunday the 4th of February. Again, to played at the Emirates Stadium in Norton at 2pm kickoff. Uh, this week, the women travel away to Wolves, 2pm kickoff Sunday at the New Bucks Head, Telford United's ground. Uh, I've played there myself, you know. I've played a game on the Telford United's ground. Okay, nobody's nobody's uh nobody cares about that. You you were the tumbleweed there, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Dan, but as 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 claim to fames go, it's um an odd one. Yeah, I'm sorry to think where else I played Kidderminster's ground, played the it's about, about four, I can't think of the other ones. Can't mean that good, can they? <laughs> I know we would I was due to play at Deepdale and it was the day of the FA Cup final against Manchester City, so I had to pull out and go. I went to, yeah. to watch Stoke lose to Man City instead. I've got I've got no claims to fame with any of that. I think Newcastle Town uh, was was one I played when I was a teenager. Um, I remember um, Mr. Graham McGarry actually, uh, which were almost signed for All Sager when he was uh, managing that side of things. Um, but that was too far for me to travel and stuff like that. So um, yeah. Yeah, it's one of them, mate. But I've got a, the Ben. Have you got any claims to fame? Him as Dan's got this big glamorous uh, career. Um, I think I played on the Britannia pitch once, but I was about six, and there was no crowd there or anything. It was for a birthday party, I think. This is a long, long time ago. Um, I, I, I didn't really play football in my youth, um, and I've never really played it as an adult either. So, um, claims to yeah, fame, actually. I, I, Sorry, sorry to cut you off there, but yeah, I played the Betsy Six Five Stadium pitch. I completely that why is well, I'm looking running through what games I've played. I think I've actually played at Stoke. <laughs> is, oh, is it, I forget then. the one main one. What's that all about? And and we were and we were wearing and we were in Stoke shirts because it was the Stoke we were Stoke Ramblers. So we wore the like obviously the Stoke Ramblers shirts, which was you know, the Stoke fans team. And we won the tournament. So we actually won a trophy on the Bet365 Stadium. And then celebrated in front of about thirty people on the stand who <laughs> would come to watch. You know, they should do that again, shouldn't they? What was that thing where you could you could bid for a space? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember yeah, called get, that, but that was good. Yeah, because they used to get about went to about fifteen hundred quid, didn't they? Usually the spaces. Yeah, wasn't um, cheap, but good, good no. for the end of the season, wasn't it? Then you bring yeah. that back. That'd be good for charity or something. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you you can do that, can't you? Is it still yeah. going on? I think it maybe worth it. maybe worth paging Simon King and see whether he's going to do it again this year. Ah, <laughs> uh, but yes, good good days, David. Good days when when I could run, <laughs> not very fast as anyone who would play with you would tell me. <laughs> I can waddle a bit more than I could now. More for Charlie Adam than a uh, <laughs> yes than anybody that, else. Yeah, definitely Charlie Adam today. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. And he's a professional athlete and he couldn't move very quick. So there you go. No need to put yourself more, down. More don't. Charlie Chaplin, more like. <laughs> anyway, before I, you know, 
get all depressed about this. <laughs> Move on. Um, a couple of news to come out. We've got the fan forum. Uh, that's going to be on Wednesday, the 7th of February in the Tony Waddington Suite. Uh, doors open 6.30. It'll be on about 7 till 8, you reckon. It's going to be on broadcast on Radio Stoke. And you're going to have Ricky Martin there with Stephen Schumacher and John Coates. So a uh, big uh, high bumper line up there for anyone who's going. I believe the tickets are already on sale. So unfortunately, by the time you're listening to this, they've probably all sold out, let's be honest. Uh, Don't do yeah. it, Shuey. Don't do it. It's a curse. <laughs> Uh, EFL, so the EFL have announced today uh, that the next season will begin on the 10th of August and will run to the 3rd of May. We're going to have 33 weekend dates, nine midweek games and four bank holiday games. Uh, The playoff finals will be over May bank holiday weekend. Shock. Yeah, like they are every season. Um, So, yeah, that's when the playoffs will be the end of May. So, yeah, um, best bit then playoff finals uh, off, aren't we, next year? Yeah, just so we can watch you, whoever's in them, yeah? <laughs> That's your second tumbleweed moment, Daniel. He thinks we're going up automatically, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do a Leicester, don't you worry. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Um, right, I am just going to throw some names at you now. So, transfer-wise, Harry Suter, Roman Mundell. What do you think of those two links? The Mundell one's first. a bit lazy because it's just Luke Condal and <laughs> Romain Mundell now. <laughs> just signing anyone, ending in Undall. It'll be Lee Trundle next. Trundle, get him in. He's, he's looking at houses in Trentham still. Come on. Exactly, yeah. Come on. Anyone ending in Undall. Anyone, anyone who's a Stoke fan, if your surname ends in Undall, you may well be with him for a big money move before the end of the transfer window. And we, we've got a Wooter, so let's have a Suter. Does that work? Kind of? Kind of? <laughs> well, oh, I'm trying maybe. to change, you know, it's not, it's Wooter Burger instead of, oh, come on, get, 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 with, get with the show. Um, <laughs> in all seriousness, uh, Harry Suter, anyone who says no to Harry Suter has not seen football. Um, I think he, he would be a no-brainer. I think we know how good he can be. I said to you, Dan, as much as I'd love it to happen, I can kind of see other teams probably in a better position than us being a better home for him, just in terms of, you know, get, I mean, you know, you mentioned that, you know, it's a good chance for him to get seen again and, and stuff like that. But I just think if I'm a top six or even top 10 team trying to fight to get in them playoffs, you'd be much worse off than, than going and get Suter, um, who wants to maybe try and challenge for promotion. I know we've got the sentimental side of you know ex-Stokey maybe he'll want to come back here but um people say there's not much loyalty in football I don't know why we think that would change now as much as I really love the guy I think there'd be other teams that would be in him before us but obviously I wouldn't turn him down he's a massive step up from unfortunately Rosa McNally this season so a no-brainer basically I think he's more likely to end up on loan in Scotland, isn't he, realistically? I can see that being the way his career goes, unfortunately. And I didn't necessarily expect it at the time when he moved to Leicester. I thought Leicester might stay up and, you know, he looked like he was doing all right when he was playing in Premier League. But he's clearly not a Maresca player, is he? Um, so it's a shame because you felt like if he'd have stayed at Stoke and kicked on, he'd perhaps got a 
better Premier League moves than a relegation side in the end. But, ah, well, that's the choices you make. And Stoke had to cash in, didn't they, so that they could do this rebuild they did in the summer. So as sad as it is, and, and we probably won't see him back, and, you know, that's that's fine. We've got to move on. But for him, I, I think it's, you know, a bit of a shame, really, because he's not getting a look in at Leicester. Probably won't do. And Leicester aren't going to loan out to any competing teams, are they, right now, when they're challenging for, you know, the title and and the record points in the league. He won't go to the Premier League, I don't think, unless it's like a Luton or somebody. Um, so I think he'll just end up in Scotland on loan. And, and, and uh, it's a shame because he was so much better than that. I think I've sort of said on here before when we discussed him a couple of weeks ago that for me, I think it's just it's the perfect scenario that suits everybody. Like I say, at Leicester, he's not getting games, he doesn't even get on the bench anymore. Um, and I believe they're signing a centre back from AC Milan, or supposed to be. It's like if he comes in, he's, he's one further down the pecking order. And I think that he needs, if you look at the last three years of his career, he spent a year out injured. He played a handful of games for Stoke. Went, you know, he went to World Cup, come back, played, you know, half a dozen games for Stoke. Was out, went to Leicester, played a few games. Uh, most, you know, second half of the season, he got relegated, and he's not played at all this season really, bar that one match, which it's how those against us. For me, if you look at that, that's what a space of what two and a half, three years, and he's probably played half a season of football. He needs somewhere. I don't, no one's going to really take a chance on him, are they? Um, you know, at a higher level. If he can come to Stoke and have an absolute fantastic last 15, 16, 17 games of the season, and really, you know, him and Wilmot, so he's coming back. He's going back to a centre back who he's played with previously, and he knows. He's going back to a style that I think will really suit him. Um, I think it's, you know, the, the freedom he's got, I think his passing ability, his ability to carry the ball is exactly what Stephen Schumacher always likes in his centre-halves. Um, obviously, he'll still have you know, his pace, his heading ability, stuff like that. He's going to be, you know, he, for, for this team, he's guaranteed games as well. So he could come here six months and just really just restart his season. We get an upgrade from McNally and Rose to Wilmot and Suter in the space of a couple of weeks. So we benefit Massively, he gets to come back. So there's no pressure. The fans still adore him. There's no hard feelings for money left. So he's going to come back with fan support to a place he knows with, with against a central defensive partner he's comfortable with. It's like I say, he's going, definitely going to get games and a chance to show and remind everybody just what a good footballer he is. Puts himself in the shop window, and then in the summer he can decide where he wants to go from here. Whether it's come here full time, whether it's he's done well to himself and moved to a top. You know, a team who maybe just come down from the Premier League, or even one that's in the Premier League, you know, maybe a Crystal Palace or somebody like that. But to me, to do that, he's got to be in the shop window playing games. And I think, like I say, this for me, if I was his agent, I mean, of course I would because I'm a Stoke fan. But I'd be. This seems to be everyone seems to benefit from it. One source uh, that we may have to trust a bit more is that what whoever said that Blondie is going to Bradford on loan. Uh, so that'd be an interesting one. Uh, apparently, the hold up in that deal, get ready here, heart, heart rates are about to go up a little bit, is because Daniel Everson could be recalled by Leicester. 
<laughs> oh no. Um, obviously, Alex Smith has been forced to retire this week, which means they are now without a number three goalkeeper. And uh, yes, there's rumours going around that Everson will be recalled as Leicester do not want their, like I say, somewhat uh, currently inevitable promotion to be sidetracked and derailed by having no goalkeeper to bring in. Um, it's a shame uh, for Alex Smithies. We, we were after him at one point. He was a he was the, the, you know, big prospect, wasn't he? And he, unfortunately, injuries just killed his career, I think. I don't think there's many goalkeepers that we haven't been after at one point. We've had that many in the last few <laughs> years. <laughs> um, but yeah, it'll be a shame if Everson gets called back uh, as we have to go for another goalkeeper. Um, I'm right in thinking that the, the the that the rules are different in the EFL though, in that you can only recall your goalkeeper if you've got one fit goalkeeper. And I think Leicester have two that were yeah. ahead of both Everson and Ward, and Ward was third choice. And now this Smithies guy's retired, who was what fifth choice. So I don't know. I think by by the looks of it, they've got plenty of cover. I, I think Everson's pretty safe. Let's just hope that is, um, like I say, just people putting two and two together and coming up with five. Unless they have an absolute goalkeeping apocalypse like we did a couple of seasons ago, where, like, <laughs> Nicky Mayamper, remember him? Yeah. yeah. Well, if anyone finds a picture of him in a Stoke shirt, frame it and put it on eBay, because you'll... Even more, uh, even more rare than Frankie Fielding in a Stoke shirt. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, well, we've seen him, because we've seen him in training plenty. So I don't <laughs> think we ever saw Mayamper, did we? No. I think he got injured into not long after he came. <laughs> he was gone yeah, again. exactly. And we had to bring in Andy Lonergan, who... Yeah, who... I was going to say, he was the guy... That will be a quiz question, a pub quiz question years ago. Did he People... Did he get the flu and we nearly had to play Blondie in the cup or something? Cause, yeah, and then he played. Um, he had a bit, he had a was cup-tied, was he? I don't know, someone was cup-tied. Oh, yeah, that was horrendous, that was. Simkin was injured as well, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, oh my been, God, I think we had six out of That's crazy. Simkin was ahead of Blondie at 16. <laughs> uh, well, I think, uh, yeah, let's just say, oh, we'll leave a pin on that. That's, so what we can say is that we're only say, we're only interested in Mundell because he rhymes with Kundal. Well, Harry Suter is better off going to play for Rangers with his brother. And Daniel Everson's going nowhere. Yeah. We're in the know on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> That's what we've deciphered from this week's transfer talk. I think uh, it's about time that we got into talking about Sunderland away. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 
24 7 365 days of the year let's all take a moment to talk more than football right so Sunderland away so we have met Sunderland 153 times we have 49 victories 38 draws 66 defeats against the Black Cats at Sunderland the record in great 77 times we've been up there 12 victories 19 draws and a whopping 46 defeats so after failing to win any of our first 12 league games at the Stadium of Light, Stoke have gone and won the last two. So recent history is not too bad. Um, and in those two games, we've scored eight goals, which is as many as we've managed at Sunderland in the league since 1983, which was the previous 20 games combined. So yeah, we scored as many goals in the last two times, two trips to Sunderland as we had in the last 20 before that. So, uh, yeah, recent history, not too bad. <laughs> um, Stephen Schumacher versus Sunderland, he has one win, one draw, one defeat, all as Plymouth manager, including this season when he had a 2-0 home win at Sunderland in November. Uh, Stephen Schumacher versus McBeal, this will be the first meeting between the managers. Uh, McBeal versus Stoke, so he's put, he managed against Stoke once before, which was a 0-0 draw when he was QPR boss. In September 2022, which was just after Alex Neal took over, it's a waste form. They've got 16 points, which puts them 13th in the away table, although we are unbeaten in a four away game uh, with two wins and two draws. Uh, in the last five matches, we have eight points, uh, which puts us seventh in the form table. Sunderland's home form, they've got 24 points for their home form, which puts them ninth in the home table. Although, since McBeals took over, they've had four home games and have lost three of them without scoring. The last five games, they've got seven points, which puts them eighth. Uh, although they have lost three times since New Year's Day. So not a great recent form. Uh, Stoke haven't conceded over two goals in any away game this season. So not too bad. Nobody's sort of, you know, got the better of us and stuck a few pastors away yet. Now, for this week's statistics, I'm mainly going to be talking about Jack Clark. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. So he has the uh, 13 goals a season, which is the fourth most in the division. He has scored five penalties, more than any player, other player in the division. He has had 75 shots, which is sixth most. He has covered 20, uh, so he has 28 shots on target, which is the fifth most. 66 key passes, fifth most. 6.6 expected assists, which is the sixth most of any player in the league. Although he's only actually got two assists, so his teammates are letting him down a bit there. Aren't they? He's, he's putting them in the positions and they aren't finishing him. Uh, he has 51 passes into the penalty area, which is the second most. Whilst he is also first in the division for successful take-ons, 102. Progressive carries uh, in distance, 6,205. Progressive carries, 233. Carries into the penalty box, 131. Progressive passes received, 304. And fouls drawn, 67 times he's been fouled, more than any other player in the league. So that says to me that Jack Clark is uh, quite an integral part of Sunderland's side, and so he seems to be involved in everything they do. Sunderland have one point from four games uh, under Beal where they've had more possession. So four times under, under Beal they've had more possession in the game, they've only collected one point from their four games. But the two games that they've had less possession, they've won both of them. So there's a bit of thing. Maybe we need to give them the ball 
bit back and just hit them on the counter because that seems to be a, a rather successful way of going about it. Um, four of Sunderland's lowest six XGs this season. So the six lowest XGs they've had, four of them have been the last four matches. So that just shows just where a cliff this really fell off in recent times. So they got 0.3 XG against Rotherham of all sides, 0.5 against Preston, 0.7 against Hull, and 0.8 against Ipswich. Referee. Now, the referee is Andy Davies. Now, he has ref 15 games this season. He's given out 61 yellows, one red, and he hasn't given a single penalty. Uh, seven home wins, five draws, and three away wins. He's wrestled on 10 occasions, given us 12 yellows and no reds, two penalties against us and one penalty for us. We have two wins, five draws and three defeats. Uh, he last ref Stoke in a 1-1 draw away at Cardiff in April. Um, so when he gave a penalty to Cardiff in that game, he's ref Sunderland on six times, giving the uh, 14 yellow cards, one red, one penalty against them. And one penalty for them. They've had two wins, two draws, two defeats. And he last ref them when they 2 0 home win against Watford in October uh, when he sent up a Watford player. Uh, he's been refereeing since 2004, and only it took him only eight years to go right from starting out in refereeing to being an EFL ref. Uh, so that's that's some achievement, I think, isn't it? <laughs> um, on this day is interesting Sunderland, 27th of January 1974. How about this, right? So it was the first ever Sunday First Division game, and it was between Stoke and Chelsea. Now, due to Sunday trading rules, they couldn't charge people to enter the ground. So you couldn't charge people for tickets like an enter to enter to watch. So what they had to do was to enter, you had to buy a team sheet rather than a match ticket. Um, so yeah, 32,000 people were there to see Stoke win 1-0 due to a Jeff Hurst penalty won by ex-Chelsea man Alan Hudson. And that is your ref. That's you on this day. And those were your stats for the game. Very nice, mate. Very nice. Um, what 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 do you make of this one, Ben? I, th- I think this is going to be a, a, actually a, a much more tough game than we think just because, well... <laughs> He's under pressure, any Beal. It's serious pressure, which it just shows what this what this league's about. And you know, I think I saw some reports at the weekend, and there was people calling for his head at the, the actual game. Um, you know, I think the uh, was it Wise Man Say podcast, I think as well, ran a a poll uh, saying whether people think he should be sacked, and I think it was ninety one percent of just under four thousand, I think it was, uh, said yes. Pretty damning. Um, so it's, I think it'd be difficult just because I think we we're just the perfect team for Sunderland to play right now is is generally how it normally goes. Um, but again, under Shuey, you never know. We might actually have an opportunity to to rub salt into the wound. Do you think he's really in trouble, or do you think it's a, a bunch of nervous fans? Um, in from from our perspective, my head says actually. This is exactly the sort of game that we need. It, it, I, I draw a lot of similarities for me with um, Birmingham away on Boxing Day. You know, a, a manager that's not liked to the football club and the crowd are just waiting for an opportunity to get on his back. Um, so yeah. a, an early goal on the counter against a team that isn't creating many chances um, and, and is looking a bit leaky at the back... Um, 
this seems to be the perfect storm for a Stoke win and a and a very very angry stadium alight. Um, from their point of view, it's fun, isn't it? Because you know their owners have been uh, quite well received. Obviously, getting them out of League One and into the Championship, and then all the way up to playoffs last season, um, handling transfers really well. Um, you know, re- recovering really well after we. Uh, poached Alex Neal and hiring Mowbray um, but in the last couple of months you know they've been making some very funny decisions with uh, appointing Beal after getting rid of Mowbray after he did an alright job let's face it um, and then the whole Newcastle debacle with changes there behind the scenes and um, don't know how many players they're signing in this window but I've not seen an awful lot um, so from there point of view i the 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 fans could hound him out um particularly because the the owners at the moment are probably a little bit sensitive to 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 fan pressure and do want to make things right um and and of course they want to be in playoffs so you know and they've got a great chance of doing that if they have the right man behind the wheel um it seems to me that sort of mick beale's able to talk his way around an interview um but I say all this, and my heart says, um, I'm actually going to this game, so we're losing anyway, so what difference does it make? Well, um, I saw them against Newcastle. Now, I know it's Newcastle, uh, and you know, to be fair, Castle didn't even have to break a sweat. I was really... I mean, that was obviously a massive game for them. It's like Stoke versus Vale at the end of the day. Like, it's, it's a big game for them, and I just thought they showed nothing. You know, there, there's lack of fight, lack of quality... Um, if that's how they've been playing for weeks now, I can kind of see where their fans have been coming from. Uh, you know, we've we've been there with Alex where it's been a bit bit boring and mundane. I mean, I think what was it, Mowbray with the three points off the playoffs? I think when 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 he was uh, when he was sacked, if I'm not mistaken. So they they used to being up there, I think this season. So I think they're probably just again expectations have gone high because of where they've been, and if they're playing bad football, Dan says they're not scoring goals. Um, I guess it's just one of them nervousness about now missing out on the playoffs. So I, I think it'd be silly to sack him right now. It's easy for us to say that, but I agree with you. I think I do think it is a it is a good game for us to play them. You just you just know that the charity FCFC like to turn up in these scenarios. I just hope that under Shiri he, he can put that one to bed. I mean, Dan, are you expected it? A tricky game. I mean, they're not. They're certainly still not a bad team. They're not scoring, but they're not a bad team still. And you know, you mentioned Jack Clark. He's a bloody good player. Well, I, look, I just look at that. The last four matches, they were the lowest four xG. Well, four of the lowest six xGs they've had all season. So, where has that creativity gone? You know, where have them chances gone? Because they've re- they've stopped. And I mean, the last game they had. I think they lost one nil to Hull, and Hull's XG was 0.1. So, you know, the, the two teams combined had less than a, you know, less than a whole goal expected in the whole match. You know, that's how a few chances were created, and you wonder whether it has he in recent weeks gone more and more defensive just to try and get a result, just to try and shore up things at the back. So, we, a bit like we were talking earlier about you get defensive coaching or whatever, and, and you you. Um, get more solid at the back, but then you maybe lose something up front. Is he playing a lot more deeper, a lot, um, I'd say, more defensively, and it's not 
it's not reflecting I think they strive for them when they're trying to go forward and as a result there's more pressure on the defence and I think I mean looking at it they're having a lot of the ball as well so in those games so is it the fact that are they playing but like we did under Alex Neal where we would pass it around without actually really creating much a bit like is is the atmosphere at the ground are they are they scared of making a mistake you know, are they waiting for the crowd to turn? And maybe the crowd aren't maybe turning on the players as much as they are on the manager. But still, you know, the, the, are, they, are they one bad pass away from 40,000 boos? So, you know, in that situation, you can imagine that the, they are going to be a bit more, um, you know, make, make the safer ball, aren't they, rather than try that one that's, that, that, that could, you know, go, go awry and then, and then like say, inspire that, that sort of reaction from the crowd. For me, I I think pretty much I think it was what was, was it, I think Ben said is that this is sort of the perfect game to really play. Does manage under pressure? Let me just read, let me just read you this right. So on Twitter this week, Simon Lillybury, who was the senior sports writer of the Sportsman, uh, he did a poll on Twitter and he said for Sunderland fans only. Now obviously these things get hijacked. We know that. Uh, but who would you rather have in charge until the end of the season for Sunderland? So the three options were Mick Beale, Wayne Rooney, Troy Deeney. Troy Deeney got 32% of the votes. Wayne Rooney got 34% and Mick Beale got 34%. So basically, Sunderland <laughs> fans put Rooney, <laughs> Deeney on the same sort of level as Beale. Jesus um, Christ. That, that's where they're at with him. <laughs> um, I... I just think he's the first game when he went in. For me, if you look at his managerial career, he had a good, what, nine games at Queen's Park Rangers. He had them, um, I think they were first or second in the league. He got, he got, um, Wolves were after him, weren't they? Wolves wanted him as manager. He turned them down, pledged his future to QPR, and they just plummeted down the league from that point. I don't think they won another game before he left about seven or eight games later. He went to Rangers. Now, if you look to any sort of Rangers fan, you speak to any of them, they will say that he has. They were when he went there, they were champions. Stephen Gerrard had left for Aston Villa. You know, they were ahead of Celtic. That they had a better squad than Everton, and he has absolutely decimated that squad. He's brought in a load of crap players, and now they are miles behind Celtic. And it's going to take them years to rid out all the all the mess that he's put in there and get themselves back up, challenging again properly. And so you think, well, actually, what like that's what Ben said. He's he's obviously can talk his way around an interview, but he can't talk his way around a changing room, can he? Because he doesn't seem, other than what six weeks, eight weeks at QPR, he's never done anything in his managerial career, really. You know, finishing second in Scotland's hardly an achievement with Rangers, does it? <laughs> it's yeah. Um, yeah, especially how far behind Celtic they were. And never competed really in any of the sort of the old firm games while he was there. So he did nothing there. He's done nothing. Like I say, he did. He had a great start to QPR, and then that drastically fell off when they knew, when they realised he was sticking around. Maybe that's what they do. Maybe they were played out of his skin, hoping that someone would come and take him. <laughs> so yeah, then when they realised <laughs> he was sticking around, before we'll have to do it the other way. Then the more there's a lot of that going around, isn't there? Yeah. Managers managing clubs in the championship that have got no right to manage clubs in the championship. There's a lot of it going around. Well, yeah, obviously he's living on past um, sort of past excesses of a very short stint, as we've just said. But and uh, yeah, maybe be maybe being able to say he's an ex-Rangers manager gets him, you know, 
eyeballs on him, I suppose. But yeah, QPR, QPR, sorry, Sunderland, their fans were into having him from day one, were they? That very first home game, they lost 3-0. Was it Coventry beating 3 0 And the um the boos at the end and they were saying, you know, you know, call for him to to quit and and get sacked and that after the very first match he played. So it's never really gonna you know, go down well as it's it's never you can't really recover from that situation, I don't think, unless you go on a on a, a great run and he doesn't seem to be able to inspire that at the minute. So for me, if I was something I'd I'd put the losses with him. I'd just put it down to a you know, a bad experiment and, and go get somebody else while they still can. If only uh, if only reputation of where you came from was judgment of how good you would be. Vincent Pericard would have been one of the best strikers in the world playing for Juventus, wouldn't he? But then, <laughs> well, on Sunderland's managerial front, I mean, there there is a certain manager that's had success and got them promoted before he was available. <laughs> Hello, Decanio. Uh, I wasn't thinking that. No, <laughs> he kept him up once. League One, where's <laughs> one of my favourite interviews ever? That is League oh, One. Dear. League where's in League One? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, Alex Neal might be making. You know, he, he's after a job, isn't he? Probably Sunderland until I die. So come on next week. Have I? Um, since the guys at Sunderland today, they said you know, he comes off quite well. It starts in the build up to the playoffs, so. He says it's perfect timing, really, for Neil. Can get him a could get him a job. Anyone watching that? So yeah, he's uh, he might get him a job back where he was. <laughs> so Sunderland fans will watch it and go, "He was a bloody good manager." I know he left us, but he's a bloody good manager. Get him back. Get him back in instead of this deal guy. <laughs> Nathan Jones all over again. <laughs> yeah, Alex Sunderland are uh, Jones's Luton. Yeah. Um, on oh yeah, on on the thing of this match, I I sort of said the stats say it looks to me the way to do it seems to be to give them the ball, doesn't it? If they have a lot of the ball, they obviously we know all too well about having a load of possession at home and getting hit on the break and losing, you know, ridiculously in games that you shouldn't. That seems to be the way to, to play against these. Um, give them the ball, let them come on to you, let them get all players sort of you know out of position or whatever because they've you know, put together 15, 16 passes and then just had plenty of pace and hit them on the break. Um, is anybody going against that as a, as a style of play? I'm not personally, Dan. I think, I mean, we've, we've shown this season that we, we tend to win a lot of games when we've got less possession. So for me, I don't think, you know, hitting them on, on the counter-attack is going to be a bad thing at all. The pace that we've got, the creativity that is in this team... I think, yeah, let them have the ball, let them come at us. And as the home team, they should do. Like, they should try and do that. So, yeah, let them have the ball. And let's just use that bit of quality to hopefully make the most of the chances. Like Ben was saying earlier, you know, we had chances against Birmingham. So let's get the same amount of chances again, be a tiny bit more clinical. And we've proven, in the, you know, this league has proven more than anything else. You know, you don't have to have loads of possession to win games. You don't have to have 15 shots on target to win games. If you just pinch, you know, one or two of your chances during a match, if you've got a half-decent defence, which we've not got awful defence, then you've got enough to win a game. So, yeah, not a bad tactic for me at all. 
you think if we nab that first goal, Ben, do you think that's vital? Do you think the Sunderland fan, do you think the Sunderland players are fighting for the manager if they go one 0 down at this point with the you know, the pressure and the atmosphere around the ground? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. It, it's exactly how it was with previous managers at our place. You know, the minute we went a goal down, we sort of give up. Um, we didn't necessarily berate the manager like um, I think Sunderland fans will, but uh, an early goal in this game is put to bed. Um, you would hope, unless we do a massive stoke and, and manage to throw it away. Um, but I, I think we've got the players to do it. You know, like I say in that Birmingham game, we 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 cut through them relatively easily um you know the players are definitely get getting hold of what Schumacher wants in terms of this you know and I think Kundal's helped massively over that as well you know these sort of one two touch football the the way we move the ball against Birmingham actually from one side to the other um it was really impressive um we're actually good in possession now um, but I don't think we'll even need that. I think it'll just be a case of, you know, maybe Berger beating a couple of players in the midfield um, and then putting a ball straight through the middle for hopefully somebody to run onto. Um, I'll be interested to see who plays for this game and who he believes would be the right fit. I think it could be a game for Campbell to come and get his first start back again with his pace, considering that people like Vidigal haven't got a massive amount of pace. Um, Lloris, maybe it's a game for him to win some headers on that left-hand side, on the right-hand side. I mean, Sunderland's left-hand side, sorry. Um, Yeah, I'll be interested to see what he goes with. I don't think it'll be a game for someone like Wesley. You know, we need a bit of a turn of pace um, and, you know, fast attacking football, which is, of course, what we have been playing in the last few weeks. So, uh, yeah, I think we're well set up. I agree with you. I think uh, Tyrese is probably probably a good game for him. Uh, also, hacks again. We talk, you know, we talk about Jack Clark being a a player to run uh, defenses. I think hacks could definitely do that. I'd say more than probably Vidigal does, if I'm honest. So, I think I agree with you. I think Campbell one side, hacks on the other. Um, I'm not going to go. We're going to go through my whole team, but uh, Stevens and Gooch are my fullbacks this weekend. I think Gooch is obviously ex Sunderland, so I think that's going to add a bit more flavour to it, a bit more spice. But also, I've already talked about Henry. Uh, I think he should be dropped. Um, but what I am doing, I'm intrigued to get both of your thoughts on this. Rose is going alongside Wilmot. I think McNally deserves a bit of a rest, if I'm honest, in the nicest possible way. So actually, Mike, I think now is probably a good time to have. Let, let's run through your side, and then Ben, I'll hear what yours is, and I'll give you what my team is. Okay, no worries. Uh, well, goalkeeper obviously speaks for itself. I've given you the back four, so just to reconfirm, Stevens at, on the left, Rose, Wilmot, and Gooch uh, is the defence, and then uh, you won't be surprised to see the, the the midfield. I think most people would go for probably with the Baker, Berger, Haksabanovic, Juno, Campbell. And May, so I think the the attacking force typically speaks for itself now. But yeah, for the reasons that I mentioned, Pax and Campbell on both sides. And your side. For me, obviously it's Everson in goal. Um, I'm gonna go with back three though. I think so. I'm gonna have uh, McNally, Wilmot, and Rose all back there. 
Um, and then Gooch as the right wing back, Thompson as the left wing back, um, Berger and oh, the other midfield is really tricky. Um, I'm going to go with Baker, I think, as long as he's fit. Did he come off injured against Birmingham or did he Did he even... Yeah, he started, didn't he? I yeah, don't know. I think he just wasn't having the greatest game, but I think... He no, no, he wasn't. Um, but 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 I'm hoping for a couple of pop shots from him. So yeah, Berger and Baker, um, Juno at the tip of that sort of midfield there, and then Mai and Campbell, um, which like I say, I, I think could be the ideal partnership really. Um, and then people like Berger and Bay to try and break through the midfield um, and sort of counter quickly. Um, that's the key for this game, getting the ball from back to front as 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 fast as possible, um, and and I think that's probably the, the the best way that I can think of doing that. Yeah, that, that's not the million miles off where I've got. So I've got the same. I, I'm starting this game how we finished the last one. I thought we looked really good. When we went three at the back, I thought that I did an extra dimension. I know sort of Birmingham were sort of holding on at that point, but I thought we looked dangerous. I thought the players looked a lot comfortable in, in what they were being asked to do. And I think, from judging what Plymouth fans have sort of been saying as well, Stephen Schumacher, this is his preferred formation as well. And it's sort of how they sort of got promoted last year and what bring the best out of their side in an attacking sense. Um, for me, I'm going to go in the back three of Hoover on the right of the back three, Wilmot in the middle and Rose on the left. I'm going to have Gooch at right wing back and Thompson left wing back. I think Thompson showed last week left back, left wing back, whichever he did. He did a really solid, good job there. And Gooch, I think Gooch will not give up against Jack Clark. I think he'll give him a real tough battle. He'll get stuck into him. And you've also got the pace of Hoover on the cover there as well. So if Jack Clark does get past, he's going to have to keep, you know, the, keep the ball. He's not as if he can knock the ball 10, 15 yards past Gooch and run onto it because they Hoover will be straight across to, you know, cleanly mop up those kind of situations, won't he? Um, and obviously he can help out Gooch a lot in that. Uh, I've got Berger sitting a little bit deeper, Baker and Jono in front of him, and then Campbell and Mai as a two-man front forward, uh, forward line. And I say the bench these days is fantastic, isn't it? I mean, the, in this situation, your subs are sort of like Kundal, Bonham, McNally, Stevens, Vidigal, Pearson, Aksibanovic, Larice, Lowe. And that's without people like, say, Gale, Clark, um, Wesley. So we've got like former Brazilian internationals cannot even get on the bench these days in the squad. <laughs> you know what? Good we L- are. <laughs> listening to your team there, I can't believe I've dropped Thompson. I'm sorry, oh. Stephen. <laughs> Stephen, you're out. Thompson, you're back in. Sorry, Thompson. <laughs> don't don't uh, don't hate me. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for a two 0 Stoke win. I think we will score just before half time because that's what happens to teams when you're on the back foot. You can see that they're just at the wrong time, don't you? And I think we'll score again after about an hour. Um, and I'm going to go for a goal for both of the front men, actually, Campbell and my. Well, I was going to go 2 0, but I can't do that now. So 2 1. Uh, again, I agree with you. I think we'll go 1 0 up. If I know, we'll go 2 0 up and they'll pull one back later on. Um, I I am allowed to go for two nil. I take it, so I'm going to go for it. Um, and I think it'll be Campbell and two words: Dwight Gale. 
<laughs> you having a bubble bath? <laughs> it's Sunderland. Up, it's Sunderland, Mike. Up, up, down, down. Up, up, Listen. down, down. Up, up, down, down. <laughs> Listen, so, right. He's only scored three goals for us. One was off his backside, and then the other two were against Sunderland. That guy should never put a red and white shirt on again. I'm sorry. No, you'll know he'll come on for the last ten minutes of this one to run the line and see the game out, and he'll 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 get one off his left nipple or something just to claim he scored <laughs> against them again. Oh, that one! Harry Kane scored against us. Yeah, that that was definitely mine. I definitely hit that in. Um, yeah, so we're all going for state wins. So let's see if we can complete the full house. So let's listen to uh, our friends up up on Weir's side and also the ever-reliable, always present, Gray McGarry. Hello there once again, you Potter's predictors, as we try the hard task of finding a result for Stoke City, which is never easy at this moment in time. Unfortunately, the uh, lack of goals cost you dearly last weekend when Birmingham City came to the bet 365 and took the points and also stopped Stephen Schumacher, the new manager, getting his first home win. But it's off on their travels to a team that's out of form themselves at the moment, and that is Sunderland, of course. They've lost the last two games and slipped down to 10th in the table, and the fans are not happy with their relatively new management team. Well, Stoke City have the chance to make it even harder for Michael Beale and his coaching staff if they can get those points at the Stadium of Light on Saturday. Not easy, but Stoke have looked decent on their travels in the last few weeks, and I think they can come back from the northeast with a positive result. Let's hope it's three points as we go Sunderland nil, Stoke 1. So I think the first thing to say about the game is really that, to be honest, I'm not actually looking forward to it, and I think... A lot of Sunderland fans will have that current feeling. Um, sort of in the past month and a half, which is quite scary, it's just went really flat amongst the players. I think the the second of Tony Mowbray, whilst, you know, I think it was clear he'd had a fallen out with the hierarchy at Sunderland. He was very popular with fans. And we had sort of after that a caretaker spell, which went quite well. And we were still looking in amongst the playoffs but I think since obviously Bale's appointment you know it started with a very very flat 3-0 home defeat which I mean it can't get much worse than losing at home 3-0 in your first match. We had some results where we won games, we won away at Hull, we drew with Rotherham, we beat Preston where that was three games unbeaten and you maybe thought okay, at least results are coming in, but the performances weren't really there. Um, We obviously had the Derby defeat, which on and off the pitch was a bit of a shambles. I think we obviously had the off-field things with the hospitality where it was kitted out in Newcastle colours and things like that, which got fans really riled up and really hasn't helped the situation because, you know, we hadn't lost to Newcastle in over a decade. And whilst I think a lot of people, you know, we were playing a Champions League level side, we were expected to lose. I think the nature in which we lost got under a lot of people's skins. I think we were quite passive in the game, tactically not really there. Um, and it, it's just it's just led to not really a great start. I think the defeat against Ipswich, we played okay in, in spells, and that was sort of an understandable defeat, given that we were up against second in the league. But 
the the one that really has tipped things over the edge, of course, was that home defeat to Hull. When we seen the whole team, you know, we were speaking, I was speaking to Hull fans before the game and all of their best attacking players were out. They were missing players to AFCON and it felt like pretty much a banker victory given the team they put out. And yet still we came away with a 1-0 defeat, very little creativity. I think the key things that people are criticising Beal for is that the team's just not creating anything like it was uh, previously under Mowbray. The styles went sort of a lot less free-flowing, a lot less great to watch. It's went a lot more sort of defensive and passive and really very, very one-dimensional. I mean, in terms of players to look out for, I think you're going to know who I'm going to say. Everything comes through Jack Clark. We've really struggled to get strikers involved this season. You know, Rusin's only got one goal. Bursto, who joined on loans on zero goals. We've, we've even tinkered with playing Alex Pritchard, Joel Bellingham up front at times. And I think the moods, like I say, has just gone really flat. And I think if Stoke take the lead on Saturday, it could be a toxic, toxic environment in which you could instantly see chance for the manager to be sacked. You know, the board have been heavily criticised for you know, the recruitment this season, some people disagree with. Obviously, the Newcastle game I mentioned, and I think there's definitely a lot of question marks right now as to whether it was the right thing to do to go and hire uh, Michael Beale at this point. In terms of a prediction, I mean, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see how Stoke set up under Schumacher, see how things have changed under Alex Neil. I think... <laughs> My head is telling me that surely Sunderland don't win, just given surely I'm thinking the players, it's not going to be a fun atmosphere to play in front of if we don't take the lead very, very early. I think it could get toxic quite quick. So my, my head's telling me that, you know, it may be quite a dull draw or maybe a horrendous Stoke victory, you know, a 2 3 nil where really the tension does boil over. But then in my heart, I'm sort of thinking whenever you expect Sunderland to do something, they tend to do the opposite. And it also wouldn't surprise me if it was a Sunderland win and, you know, Bale sort of gets left off the hook this week. But I am, I'm pretty sure the last two times you guys have interviewed me for the show, I predicted a Sunderland win and we've lost both. So probably not the best person to get predictions off. Oh, cheers for that, lads. Um, yes, that's uh, that's how the positivity keeps on running into the uh, into Saturday. And yeah, we can uh, claim three points and bring the Warrior back and make it a hat trick of wins, hat trick of league wins up at the Stadium of Light. I don't think we've uh, that's one stat I should have looked at. I can't remember. I don't think as uh, we've done that before. <laughs> um, Super six and Gaffer Mike. Is a, it wasn't the greatest week for either of us, was it, on Super 6? No, shocking. I think did we, did we both get, like, six points or something stupid get, like that? We, we both got six because of some wild, wild results. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm up to 2-4-2 overall. You're on 2-4-5, so three points ahead. But you're six places, 51st to my 57th. Um, top three, so we've got uh, Sean Flanagan. He's on 303 points. Uh, Michael Gadget is on 294, and joining him, joint second, is Nigel Warham. He's also on 294. Uh, and Nigel actually got 16 points this week, which was the most uh, of anybody in our in our league. And also he has 39 points for the month, which also puts him top for the month. So he's a man in form. 
at the minute. Uh, so well done to everyone mentioned there. Uh, Gaffer, I remain 37th. I swear, I've he's sort of the uh, where Stokes sit in the 16th place vortex. I, I swear, I'm in like 37th. I've been there for about six weeks, seven weeks, I think. Um, but yeah, got 33 points on Gaffer this week. I'm up to 1,513. But I am miles behind the top. Three, which is at the Joe two one eight six in third. Second is at the Vidi Galacticos on two one nine zero and top, as he has been for a long time now. Stoke is Bay two two five seven. Whilst this week's top score come from Hobson Ch- Hobson Chance, who got a hundred and one points. So well hey. done again to everyone mentioned there. Tell you what, Dan. Um, I've just been looking at our Super Six. I just thought, oh, that's that's interest. Just overall leaderboard for the actual Super Six things. Somebody was so flipping close to absolutely cleaning up. So the person who got someone got twenty seven points this week, right? Um, oh. Yeah, <laughs> their golden goal prediction was in the fourth minute. And the goal was Will Keane for Preston in the second minute. So really close. They got 2-0 Norwich against West Brom. 1-1 between Bristol and Watford. 3-2 to Brentford over Forest. They got the 2-1 correct against Preston. They got the 2-2 correct against West Ham. And Bournemouth let them down. where They had, they had 2-0 for Liverpool. And the final score was 4-0. There were two goals away from, what is it, a million quid? Like There were two quite late goals as well. Uh, they must have been devastated by that. I think it's a million quid. Either way, it's a lot of bloody money. But to get, as you said, freak results, to get five out of six is stupid. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> right, are you ready to end this podcast with a six towns challenge? The best oh, has just gone midnight, and uh, yeah, I'm sure yes. me and Ben um, are not, we're not good at the best of times. Never mind after midnight. So go on. So, Stoke have had are searching for a striker, are we not? Somebody to score goals to put these chances away. So can we do can you name me the last six players to score twenty goals in a season for Stoke? No, I'm not that I'm not that harsh. <laughs> Go back like 18, so Stanley Matthews. <laughs> so can you name me the last six players to score ten or more goals in a season? All comp in brackets. <sighs> I'll let well, you. I'll let you know that six. There's actually seven because there's two of them that did it in the season that the six did it. So there's seven. If you get one of them, then I'll uh, I'll go. I'll give you that point. So um, just just repeat that question one more time for me. Three names have come to me. I just want to make sure I've heard the question right. Yeah. So the last six players to score ten or more goals in a single season for Stoke in all competitions. Okay. Oh, oh, all competitions. That was the main word there. Well, Dan, uh, Dan, Ben, names have come to my mind straight away before I even finished what he was saying. It was Mam Youth, Peter Crouch, John Walters. Um, those are the three, just because I remember Doofy had a good season. I think he scored 15 in one, one season. Crouchy and Walters were always good for, for goals. Is there anyone a bit more recent than that? I that think there's think only of? one in the championship, and it's Jacob Brown. Jacob, yeah. All right, go no, Jacob Brown the first one. So Jacob Brown was the most recent. 2021-22 season, he had 14 goals. 
Okay, which as right. has not been betted by anybody on this list. <laughs> not. Right. I think it's worth having a punt at somebody like Juf because he's sort of relative. He definitely has, and he's relatively recent enough. And if he's like second or something, we'll know that there's not another one since we've been in the championship. Yeah, go Juf. Yeah, Mum Juf is sixth on this list. So he had 12, 12 goals in the 2014-15 season. Now, I said, if you got one of them, I can give you the other one, didn't I? So the other man on there was someone you have also mentioned, Jonathan Walters. Walters, he, yeah. He hit 11 in the 2014-15 season, but he also hit 11 in the 2012-13 season, 11 in the 2011-12 season, and 12 in the 2010-2011 season. So four out of five years, uh, he hit well between eleven and twelve goals. So very consistent was Mr. John Walters. Okay, well that's actually really good for us because now we've got first and sixth. So we, so we know the time frame. So Mark Ranautovic is one. Mark Ranautovic is fifth on the list. So he the following season, twenty fifteen sixteen, he hit twelve goals. Now I don't think anybody hit that number in the relegation season. So, was the did Shakiri ever score enough? I don't think he did. I think he got ten. Mm, I think the only thing is, was, what what about Crouchy though? He might have done. He definitely hit double figures a couple of times for us. Hundred percent. I think that was earlier on than you know twenty fourteen fifteen. Mm, it was later uh, than that. <sighs> If you want to say Crouchy, you can go Crouchy. You're allowed to. You're, you've got two lives. Like you're allowed go to on. Yeah, go 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 Crouchy for now. Peter Crouch, he hit 14 in 2011-2012. He hit 10 in 2013-2014, and he also hit 10 in 2014-2015 and 10 in 2016-2017. So he's oh, well done, mate. Oh, yes, he's one of three players, Juice Crouch and Walters, all at double figures in 2014-15. No, no wonder he got all these new contracts. <laughs> so reliable. Um, see, I'm just wondering whether there's one... So, Dan, are we talking this... We could go really far back here, or are we talking more modern now? Or, no, you know, we've got the time frame, haven't we? So we've got sixth, which was Juice. And then everyone else is more recent than Juve, am I right? Yeah, so you've got four fair oh, right, okay. So you're looking for second and third. So just remind Ooh. Jacob Brown, 2021, 22, and Peter Crouch, 2016, 2017. Right. Mm-hmm. So there was nobody in the relegation season. I'm sure like there can't be. We were knocked out both cups, I think, pretty early on. And I who scored in the relegation season? Nobody. Um <laughs> So that means they've got to be championship. Oh, God. Um, Are we allowed to ask if they were championship, Dan? Um, I'll give you a clue in that the top scorer in the relegation series was Zudan Shakiri with eight. Uh, Thank you. I didn't think that it was. So unless there's another one in 2016-17, then it's got to be championship. Okay. Now I'm trying so, to think who might have scored 10 plus. Um, 
bet it's going to be something really obscure as well. So we've just been chipping away a couple of goals at a time, not really been, you know, noticed so much. Uh, did McLean? Did no, no, surely not. McLean shouldn't, shouldn't have got 10, surely not. Not 10, I don't think. Um, Ints, I don't think so. No. A phobia, I don't think so. Oh, we haven't had... certainly didn't. Um, oh, one got Tyrese. He might. That's the only one I can think of. But has he played enough of one whole season to do that? <laughs> That's the problem. Because right? you know he 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 did ever so well before he got injured, but that was so early on the season. And then of course we rolled on to the next season, and he scored a couple of goals then, but it was never in one season. Uh, Nick Powell, maybe. Again, he he played less than anybody else. But he did have one season basically where he wasn't injured. Mm. It was one of the Michael O'Neill seasons, and he scored quite a few. Go, go with your gut, mate. Go with your gut. Go on, Nick Powell, please, Dan. So Nick Powell, the season you're talking about um, was. Let me see what year it was. Oh, wow. <laughs> if he's having to look, it's not on the list. <laughs> no, he, he is on the list. He scored, 40, oh. he played 42 games and scored 12 goals oh, in good the 2020-21 season, which puts him second on the list. Right. Thanks. There's one more, Michael. So before, so before um, Powell, but after, who's a Crouch? Oh, blimey. Mm. What is... Oh, Tyrese. No, it's Tyrese. I'm, I'm with you. I, Tyrese doesn't feel right. I just don't think he's played just, enough. Just not enough in one season for me. No. Oh. Klukas. Oh, yeah. He yeah. spelled. He banged him in. Klukas. Okay, go Klukas. Yeah. Klukas now. You've done it. You've done the Yeah. Yay. Well without losing any lives. 2019-20, Sam Clucas scored eleven goals. So yes, he was um he was banging for him and uh, Mark O'Neill took over, wasn't he? He was the one who was mm. sort of benefiting most from the from the new formation and they're getting rid of Nathan Jones. Uh, a couple of his you mentioned, Tyrese Campbell's twice hit nine in a season. Including last season, um, let's see. So yes, uh, where are we? Last season he had nine in forty-four, and the season of twenty eighteen nineteen. Um, where are we? Oh no, sorry, twenty nineteen twenty. He had nine in thirty-seven that season as well. Uh, Stephen Fletcher, are you also at nine? Nobody mentioned him. He had nine in a season. So yes, there's a few that got nearly, but yeah, it's quite sad that we're considering decent squad scoring strikers the ones who hit not a ten in a season and hit not twenty. Yeah, <laughs> uh, my, my, my brain went back to Peter Thorne, but that was obviously far, far too long ago. But that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'd be. I would be interesting to see. It was brutally unfair to ask. Um, who you know, <laughs> which one's got twenty plus in a season? Uh, <laughs> Lewis Baker, who'd be an interesting one. Uh, he got eight, eight last oh. season, and he got eight the season before. 
it's uh, it's uh, eighteen twenty one. He got the season before. That, that could have been twenty goals a season if he'd have been there the whole year. Uh, wow. Yeah, so we've had we've had decent you know decent scores without someone being really prolific, haven't we? In recent times, Sam Bokes even got eight in a season here. No, we didn't. Eight in 40, 2019, 20. Get out. Oh, you mentioned Benny Kofobi, didn't you? He got nine in 48 the first season that we just got relegated. And he was our top scorer. So great work there, Gary Rowett, spending a lot of money. Isn't it sad that we're celebrating that six players have scored 10 plus goals in 10 years? Oh, Goodness dude. me. And like, oh, he did it more than once. He is a real trooper of that one. <laughs> what a player. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, Bojan, Bojan did 5 in 18 pre injury, 7 in 31 post injury. There you go. You put the two together and, and, and you got a season of 12 there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. So, uh, yes. I might I might just do a bit of homework and come back to you with the last six players to score 20 this season. But we definitely won't be quizzing you, don't worry. <laughs> I'll give you 750 lives, Mike. Can you name me the last six state players <laughs> for 20 well, goals in the season? Well, one of you will be up there, won't he, obviously? And then you, I mean, I don't even know that after that. Maybe Chris Ibalumo might have had a good season. Steen. No, I don't even think he did. Are you looking at Thorne and then Steen? Christ, okay. Yeah. Stephen, Thorne, Sheeran, Steen. Can't think of any others. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, all right, sound. Is that pretty much us done for today? Yeah, all done. Um, yeah, good luck to uh, you. Well, I'm not going down. Good luck on your trip up there to the Stadium of Light, Ben. Hopefully, you uh, cheer on a victory that's, you know, that we're predicting, but you're a bit skeptical because of your attendance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God bless the one pound trains for the Transpennine Express. Quite cheap. Lovely. Well, three points are coming our way. We just know it. Sorry, McBeal. But yes. It's like time you'll have nothing left. Go on, Stoke. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.